You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into a fresh Friday edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. You've got a couple happy hosts with you today as we record on a Friday morning. Last week when we set up shop, snow was falling in State College. Now we're making plans to get out and about. It's going to hit 75 apparently by noon. So, hey, positivity early here in the day, Sean. Let's keep it rolling into the podcast. We got a new segment to share um, in terms of what we're doing on the site, something you're specifically doing. We've got our five-star mailbag uh, coming up later on the show, which has been really fun to go through the last couple episodes. Thanks to everybody uh, for dropping your five-star reviews and your questions on Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. We'll get do our best to provide some answers. Um, a bunch to get to in this episode. We're going to start with uh, what seemed to be inevitable news coming from the NCAA, Sean, and that is the fact that this dead period, the emergency dead period in place for coronavirus, has been extended through June. It was initially up on May 31st, but that never seemed realistic, especially as we've gotten closer to that deadline. And what that does is say goodbye to official visit early windows, say goodbye to camp season. But as I said, no one should be surprised by this development. You did a great job laying out the ramifications of this across college football, more specifically for Penn State in your S-zone that dropped on Thursday afternoon. Well, it, it, it's not surprising, and I don't think it's the end, to be honest with you. They they wiped out June, which I think was, you know, it, it, it makes sense because nobody's going to be around for the most part across the country. And then on top of that, uh, the, the calendar hasn't changed. So when they come back on June 30th and, um, you know, you, you say, okay, well, they start scheduling visits for July 1st, that's, that's not really how it works because the uh, recruiting calendar is still intact. So that dead period runs essentially to July 24th. Now, what I expect is that that window from July 24th to August 3rd or whatever it is, um, where they could have had, you know, where Penn State would have had its lash bash and its last camps of the season. Now, all of a sudden, that's probably on the chopping block next. So we'll see uh, where that comes in a couple of weeks. And and it's interesting there is that the official visit window was actually April to, to June 23rd, whenever that dead period came into play. So you know, you're losing official visits essentially anyway. So it'll be interesting to see if the NCAA changes anything. I don't think they want to. I don't think the coaches really want to. They're looking to get their players back as soon as possible and handle that as priority number one and then move to recruiting. So like I've said, I think I've said this for a few weeks, I don't really expect any visits to happen until, you know, they're playing football in a stadium this fall. So it's really, um, uh, you know, it's 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 touch and go for a lot of guys. You know, it, it, it the, there's that line that we've talked about a bunch where if you you think you've been closer, close enough to making a decision, maybe all of a sudden that moves up your decision timeline. Uh, if you want to take visits, you're probably going to have to wait. So um, it's a it's an interesting line to tow. We've gotten to the ramifications of the decommitments and and you know the eventual probably flood of those that will end up happening. But yeah, it's the next step toward uh, really just uh, all that craziness, you know. Yeah, as Bud Elliott noted in his his article last week, one that we referenced last week as well, um, 2021 has seen about twice as many commitments in early May as any former class in the early signing period. Um, so again, the early signing period is is going to be tested and, and what we've come to expect in December, a lot of action, not so much in February. Don't think that will necessarily be the case again this time around. I can't imagine... Um, Players are going to be rushing to make decisions or, or second commitments. I think official visit window in the winter, if it can be used, uh, you know, it's going to be used in a big way compared to where we have seen it in the past. One other thing the NCAA did, Sean, and, and you know, I hope everybody has a good phone plan out there. Uh, the the unlimited nature of being able to contact recruits is, is, uh, remotely right now, whether it's on the phone or on Zoom or or on Skype or on FaceTime, whatever you're using, um, you know, there is no restriction on that right now temporarily uh, by the NCAA. And, and so that opens the floodgates for these kind of calls. We've seen, you know, Nolan Rucci uh, take a week off and go public with that. I just saw Tony Grimes' father um, said that his son is, is taking, I think, about a week off of the recruiting stuff because it has 
been such a high volume of those kind of communications. And, and Landon Tangwall talked about this as well, how, how much of a relief it was to step away from that process and be a committed player now because your phone is just rocking off the hook. You're getting invited to all these Zoom chats. You're getting invited to these Madden video game tournaments that coaching staffs are putting on and players. So, uh, you know, there, there is still a lot of communication. But as we've said in the past, some players are, you know, and it's going to happen now with, with more prevalency, committing blindly in terms of not understanding what they're actually going to encounter on a campus from building standpoint to the facilities uh, and football, academic, and, and certainly just getting a feel for the vibes. It's so much different when you're on campus and you walk around, you see other students out and about doing their thing. It just gives you a sense of what life is like there. And it's not possible right now. And I don't think that's something that can be addressed through these virtual tours. You're not going to get a real sense for campus life. You're going to get kind of a PowerPoint presentation and I'm sure some really cool uh, graphics and and all this stuff that, that teams are working on from a technological standpoint, but you're not going to be immersed in a campus culture for a weekend or even for an afternoon like you would on a normal visit. And, and I'm not sure that's why these virtual visits have, have the impact that I think some people th- think they should or think they will because, you know, there's you, you just laid it out there. I mean, there's no feel for the campus. There's a look for the camp. You know, it's it's all very surface level. It's it's a lot of time that you spend with one one person. And you know it and I do it. As, as older people, we don't have the attention span to sit and talk to somebody on Zoom for a couple of hours. Now, all of a sudden, you're asking a 17-year-old to do that. I think that you know, they're a cool new thing, but I don't think that they are something that's eventually going to be commonplace where you win over guys based on virtual visits. It's, it's happened a little bit, but again, um, w- without knowing what's going to happen six months from now for, with decommitments and things like that, it's it's tough to pinpoint. So I think they're probably a little bit overrated in this aspect right now. So it, right now you're just kind of passing the time, seeing what you can do um, about your situations, maybe, maybe deciding, you know, deciding to make a decision. I know we joke all the time about the announcement, about the announcement, about when you're going to announce, but, you know, figuring out what what that timeline is going to look like because all of a sudden you've got all this space in front of you um, and if you're close enough to that line maybe it's time to go there's always that commit before my senior season crowd and that is something you hear cycle after cycle after cycle I want to figure this out before I hit the football field with my teammates now the the interesting part about this is on a state-by-state basis you know, football, high school football is very much in jeopardy, especially when you examine what's going on in California. It's not really uh, a, a big deal, I guess, for Penn State's 2021 recruiting efforts. Brock Bowers is the one kid out there that we're still focused in on. But, you know, Steve Wolfong wrote a piece this week about uh, a four-star quarterback who may reclassify to the 2020 class if, if he's not able to play high school football this fall and uh, might as well get a jump start if he's academically able to do that uh, and move on to the next level. Um, so there's a lot of questions about what everyone's going to be actually capable of doing um, on the football field and, uh, this fall. And, and I think when, when you look at what else is being lost this summer on the football field is the camps. It is so huge for a staff to evaluate players, those they've offered. Are they still worthy of that offer? Have they not developed in the way that, that maybe the staff an- anticipated? Uh, does it not match up with what they saw on huddle film and maybe heard from high school coaches to what you're seeing on your practice field when the competition steps up and your coaches are asking them to do things. We've seen guys lose their ability to commit to Penn State in these summer camps, and then we've seen guys you know, open the door for themselves and, and, and earn a scholarship offer. And I think that's where the impact is really going to be felt, Sean. Certainly with the 2021 class, I mentioned uh, pretty recently on this show, Torma Mulba and Tyler Elsden both earned offers on the camp circuit last year. But to me, this is really tough uh, for that sophomore group, the, the 2022 class, not just the inability to go to, to camps on college campuses like Happy Valley here, but the opening circuit, the Under Armour circuit, all those things where word gets around, guys like Brian Doan and Steve Wolfong and Barton Simmons write stories up. College coaches pay attention to those stories, and that may move the needle. That's not happening right now. Yeah, college coaches pay attention to those more than than, than people want to believe. And uh, yeah, you're wiping out that entire cycle, and and it's time to get on board. Uh, you know, on on 
college boards because of some of these performances. You know, the school camps are, are really what I come back to. I know the the opening and the Under Armour that that you're absolutely right. It does make a difference for these younger kids. The school camps are ones where you get your own stopwatch on them. You get you know you get your position coach to work with him. You get a sense of how they interact with those position coaches, how they interact with their peers, uh, whether or not you know you can you can find out a lot from camp just beyond him running a forty yard dash right in front of you. So um, it, it'll be um, sort of crazy to think that we're not going to have that this year. And it's also a big recruiting, um, you know, event for Penn State where they get uh, these team camps on, you know, they've had uh, Gonzaga up and DeMatha up and all these big time schools have been up over the last couple of years for their team camp. Now, all of a sudden that's wiped out. And, and, and how many times have we seen a player who said, yes, I, you know, I came to camp as a freshman. I came to camp as an eighth grader and started, you know, I just kind of fell in love with the place. And this has always been the goal. You know, how many times do we hear that? So, you know, there's on several levels, there's uh you know, just, a you know, it, it's kind of a gut punch to some of these guys because, you know, Fatorma Mulba, if he doesn't come to camp, he's probably not in this class. Tyler Elsden, same thing. If he doesn't come to camp, you know, maybe, you know, with with a great senior year, all of a sudden you get onto the to the radar, but it takes one less uh one fewer opportunity um for for those guys to to make an impact and and stick in a coach's mind. And I think that's a that's a big thing as well. When you see that guy up up close and in person, you have such a, a better idea of what you think he can become than, you know, putting on a, a game tape or putting on, you know, even a, just a short huddle film or something like that. So um, it, it, it's just, uh, it's crazy to think that that won't happen, but, uh, everybody's got to adjust to it. I mean, that, that is the thing that we keep going back to. Everybody's on a level playing field. Everyone's going to have to deal with sort of the same things. And, and Penn state's been planning for this. You know, I talked to a few people yesterday that, you know, basically said, this is, this is the expected outcome. We just had to wait to, um, see how these guys, how these prospects would react. So that's been a big thing. And yeah, you're right. The the commit before the senior season guys, all of a sudden they're in flex. There's some big ones out there. Nolan Rucci wants to commit before his senior season. So um, will he be able to get back? And and luckily for Penn State, he's been on campus, you know, a dozen times or whatever it's been um, over the last couple of years. So it's uh, there, there, there's so many, you know, uh, edges to this sword that, uh, you know, there, there, there's positives, there's negatives, but really just the unknown outweighs all of that at this point. I was thinking back to that camp, and we referenced it a few times from last summer, where it felt like there was just so much going on at the wide receiver spot, and they and they held like what six, seven receivers maybe after the camp uh, to go out there and throw with some of the quarterbacks that they had pulled aside as well. And you had Sean Clifford watching closely, and KJ Hamler, and Jared Parker, James Franklin, um, you know, everybody kind of intently. You know, you could see them slicing and dicing these receivers and saying, who do we really want on board? It was where Liam Clifford earned his offer. It was where I felt like Anthony Ivey, a 2022 in-state prospect, really solidified his status as an underclassman Penn State needed to be in on. He ultimately got an offer. It's also where we saw a player who ended up in the Pac-12 who had a Penn State offer you know, kind of maybe lose his grips on the ability to commit to Penn State. And Malik Mega came in and, and, and some checks and boxes. He had an offer but it felt like he really had an offer after he got to campus, showed what he could do on the football field, performed under the supervision of that staff. And I think there's also a note here to be made, not just on the camp circuit, but on the official visits or visits in general. There is a behavioral study that goes into it for a coaching staff. Uh, you're looking at the physical measurements, sure, and, and the talent on the field, but you need to know if a guy's going to be a fit for your culture in your locker room, in your classroom. Is he going to be the kind of player, and does he have the kind of family that's going to mesh well with what you've got going on? I've seen kids during official visits, uh, you know, in my, in my past career, where you you just walk away after those 48 hours and you think this isn't going to work. We can't do this for four years. Uh, maybe it's mom and dad issue, but oftentimes it's it's a player kind of revealing some some red flags to themselves, and you don't have that access right now as a staff. And I think that makes it a little more scary when we talk about accepting commitments as well. Yeah, and you think about the, all the hairs that are split during this process between a couple of prospects. That could be something that puts you know another player over the top. So uh, it's just a, a really interesting case study. I don't know which direction it's going to be. I think there's all you know. I don't think there's a ton of guys that are impacted by this, but at the same time, Penn State doesn't have a, a bunch of scholarships to hand out in this in this class. They're already you know uh, most of the way full, I would say. Um, so I mean, you, you get you get guys. Caden Prather is a guy that uh, jumps. To 
to me as, as a guy that could move up his decision. Uh, Maliki Mataveo uh, from, from Nevada that, you, you know, we've talked to about a potential decision without making a, a visit. I mean, that's just crazy to think about, but it's the reality of this situation. So uh, there's a lot going on right now. Um, it, it, it's really, again, fascinating to see which direction this is going to go. But when you've prepared for it, we'll see which schools have prepared the, the right way for it. And, uh, and and we'll see which direction it takes. And you mentioned Mataveo. I have a story up on him that'll be up uh, this morning. So before the podcast drops, when you all hear this, I just thought Micah Bowens from the interview earlier uh, this week that you all heard on the podcast, incoming Penn State quarterback, doing his diligence to bring Maliki on board as a top tight end target, but also you know, that's the elephant in the room with his recruitment is he's never actually been on campus. And that's a lot to ask for a kid who maybe maybe he's itching to, to get on board with the program. And uh, Nevada is not within striking distance of a lot of power five football schools. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a tough situation for him in general, thinking that uh, that's a situation where you would be reliant upon utilizing those five possible official visits to get out and about across the country, get to see some of these campuses. Now, it, positives are a weird word to use um, uh, to apply here, Sean, but is there anything that maybe Penn State does potentially benefit from from the standstill and, and visits? You know, specifically, I think we continue to focus in on players within the region who do have that track record of understanding what Penn State campus life is already like. Yeah, if you're familiar with with Penn State, it's it's a good thing. I mean, you you talk about uh, guys like uh, guys that weren't deciding to begin with, guys like Nolan Rucci, or excuse, yeah, Nolan Rucci, Derek Davis. Uh, you know, you've got guys that are Dante Thornton that are looking to stretch it out for the long run. All guys that have been on campus multiple times. So I think it, you know, it sort of helps Penn State in that matter. Um, on the other side, you look at at the scholarships Penn State has to give, and you look at the number of players that they're. Um, recruiting right now, and it doesn't really match up. You've got a ton of guys on the board um, for certain positions. You look at offensive line and, and beyond Rucci and Tristan Lee and Rocco Spindler, so that's sort of the top targets right there. You've got a bunch of guys that are still out there. So you slow play them uh, it, unintentionally, I guess it is. You've got guys like Caleb Johnson had from Florida, a four-star kid, had an official visit set up for June. You know, we knew that wasn't going to happen, but all of a sudden, you know, that's a way to express interest in somebody is to set up an official visit like that. Now it's not going to happen. You can't get these guys back on campus and, and all, you know, these guys are probably not going to end up in the class, but still you want to have a bunch of guys that, that, that have that interest level. So I think that there's maybe a silver lining if you're looking at it that way and that, you know, you can take your time on some of those kids lower on the board. You can adjust your board to see where kids are committing which kids you want to maybe make a run at when this thing is over. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you, when you get out of that dead period between or after the first signing day and before Christmas, you get an opportunity to, uh, or during Christmas, you get an opportunity to reassess your situation, re-rank your board and go with that. It's almost like that. When you emerge from this thing, you can start making a run at guys. You can start making them priorities. And the way that this cycle has gone with no official visits, with no real feel of guys getting onto campus and getting deep into the process, you can make it, you know, you can make enough, uh, you can have an effect on kids that way. There's such a stark contrast uh, in, in utilizing these official visits during this early window, which I think was a great addition to the calendar a couple years ago, versus during the season. I mean, let's face it, a lot of these kids. They're playing football Friday night. Uh, many of them are more than more than a short car ride away from campus to get to a game on Saturday. You've only got those seven home games. The other five, you're away from campus, and and, and you've got a bye week. And the coaches usually are not on campus during the bye week. They're out on the road watching those high school games elsewhere. Uh, so the flexibility just isn't there during the season, especially for guys outside the region. Whereas now, you know, it, it, players can afford to hop in the car with teammates or with their parents and go on a road trip. We see it so often where maybe they hit four Big Ten schools in in a, in a one week span, and Penn State's on that trip. Those are the things that can't happen right now, which makes me, again, wonder if we're going to go old school, not that old school, but a few years back, but are we going to see the the return of, of big recruiting weekends in, in January again? That used to be, you know, the crunch time in college football where you'd have these big gatherings. And the other question, of course, is how many scholarships are going to be at Penn State's disposal when they actually get through the early signing period in December? Last year, they didn't sign a single player in February. We already have talked about how tight those numbers could be 
moving ahead. So a lot to wonder about there. That The NCAA, their committee is going to review this situation on May 27th. So that's the next key date to look for, May 27th. Maybe we see them stick with June 30th. Maybe we see them move past it. Maybe, and this is a very optimistic tone, maybe we see them uh, you know, say that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and officially put out uh, some information on how they plan on restructuring the recruiting calendar to maybe make amends uh, for, for some of what has happened this spring. But uh, a lot up in the air right now. Sean, you have a new uh, piece that's coming out Monday through Fridays that's going to help people kind of stay engaged and, and as we're navigating through this situation. Your first is up this Friday morning, and it's regarding that 2021 target board. I'll let you share the, the, the name of, of this particular piece. Well, the name's a work in progress, and it's been <laughs> something uh, I used to do for a while um, back, uh, wow, that was years ago. Um, and we've settled on trimmings for now. I think a lot of people associate the beard with it, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, not trying to create another S zone every day because that's uh, actually that's what I did yesterday. I, I set out to write one of these columns, and it turned into uh, 1,700 words later. It's an S zone, uh, but uh, no, it's a it's a new piece. It's going to be running daily. It's something our our folks, uh, our overlords in Nashville thought would be a good idea. Um, hint, hint. Um, so they uh, kind of gave me the old elbow in the ribs and said, hey, you should probably do this. And I said, eh. And they said, hey, you should probably do this. And I said, okay, I guess I'll go probably do this. Um, so <laughs> it, uh, we're going to give it a shot and see how it works out. Uh, it's it's you know supposed to be a scheduled thing with my schedule. I don't know that that's uh, you know, completely possible the way my brain works. I don't know that that's completely possible, but we're going to try and get you as much good stuff as possible. What I'm hearing uh quotes uh anecdotes things like that so um, i'm i'm looking forward to uh to, to seeing how this gets off the ground. I hope it provides value to our VIP subscribers, which obviously we we love and care for deeply, especially in this time. We know we uh, you know we can't tell you how to spend your money, but we'd uh, love for you to spend it on us, and we hope to keep you entertained. So that's that's my pitch for that. Uh, hopefully it turns out to be a popular uh, segment. So far, so good. If that's appealing enough for you to make the plunge, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a salesman, man. I I don't know. It's 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 tough to uh, it's tough to come out and say, hey, this is what you should do. But uh, yeah, I, I I believe in the work that we do. So you know, if I if I can be serious for a second, I do believe in the work that we do. I think it stacks up there with anybody covering Penn State football, and and I think that uh, we would put it up against anybody covering Penn State football. So I implore you to check it out. This podcast is uh, you know a, an arm of our uh, army, I guess. Uh, for for the Lions twenty four seven brand and the twenty four seven sports brand and, and again I, I you know I believe in the work that we do and I think you should check it out. Agree wholeheartedly and incentivizing that a little bit. One month for one dollar if you want to just take a peek in this thing for for four weeks or so and get a sense on what is available for VIP subscribers or take a to go all in for thirty percent off for an annual subscription. You're still saving some money at, in in the long run and at the end of the day you're locked in for a full calendar year so just some thoughts there uh check out sean's up uh, new daily updates starting today friday it's already up on the site 7 a.m uh published time so some other top schools list to get to this was a, a big topic on the last podcast as players are narrowing their focus some more than others one that really stuck out this week sean garrett dellinger uh, one of the several Michigan prospects who are still on Penn State's radar wrote up a piece earlier this week on just those those big plans that they still have in Michigan with three guys on board right now and uh, several targets out there on committed. Uh, Garrett Dellinger, a I think he's the number 11 tackle uh, in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He's a four-star kid, top 100 overall talent. LSU, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, nice looking final four there. LSU right now, the unanimous crystal ball favorite for Dellinger. He is high school teammates, and what what a tandem this is to have on an offensive line at the high school level uh, with Rocco Spindler, who also carries that Penn State offer. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, – if you're running back or, or in that offense, you're, you're probably running that direction most times. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – he's a good player. He's top 100 player on, on 24-7 sports and in the composite. Um, you know, I, I feel like LSU is is the team to beat. The crystal ball reflects that. He went down there, had a great um, unofficial visit, and uh, really stuck in his mind. Now, his last unofficial visit um, – 
you know, before the the February dead period was to Penn State. Really liked what he was go- what was going on there. Uh, I'm not convinced Penn State's uh, you know not second in this race right now, but that's a that's a tough one to overcome with the defending national champs. I know he's he really doesn't have the tie to home. You know, Ohio State, and Michigan are there as well, but uh, I don't think Michigan's holding out to get this guy. I don't think Ohio State is either. Penn State, you know, really likes him. I don't. I know he's not at the top of the board because you got the Rucci and the Lee there at tackle, but. Hey man, he's a top 100 player, and and they're interested in him. Goes back to, to the effort that Phil Troutwine has put on uh, put in since he got here, because Dellinger was not really on the board at all. Um, you know, whenever Phil Troutwine got here, and you know he he had an offer. I, I don't know if he had an offer or not. Actually, now that I'm ta- now I'm thinking about it. It was one of those ones that was kind of a, in a gray I, I area. I think he had an offer actually back as a sophomore. Okay, so that yeah. that that makes sense. Uh, it just it never really showed enough interest to 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 sort of verify that. So made it to campus in February. Really liked what he saw. Wasn't enough. It's hard to say. He wanted to take an official visit. All of a sudden, that's that's wiped out. Yeah, a few notable offensive line targets up in Michigan um, still on the board. They vary to a degree because, as Sean said, there are some uh, big names at the top of that offensive line board. But you've got uh, the two at Clarkston that we just mentioned. Rashawn Benny is up there as well. And and as we said, the, the Phil Troutwine effect continues to, to pop up here and there. A couple guys recently, four stars, uh, Jonah Miller, uh, Dylan Fairchild, both put Penn State on the top four and they haven't been to campus, but they've been communicating with Troutwine. Um, a little bit more on, on Troutwine and that offensive line coming up here in the show. We got a chance to talk with, with two senior members of that unit uh, just a couple days ago. Quick note on defensive end recruiting, Sean. Uh, Trevally Price is a kid I got a chance to speak with this week, Says, uh, and you've reported this in the past as well. John Scott certainly has been steady communication with him since extending that offer in February. They're talking about a couple times per week. This was one of those few offers that went out after Scott took the job here, a player that he previously pursued at South Carolina. Price a, a defensive end. I believe he's a four-star in the 24-7 sports evaluation. Um, Landon Watson, a guy that we have mentioned in the past out of Texas, someone that you had pointed to as you know someone Penn State needed to get back on cam- to get on campus. Period to kind of get an evaluation of his physical measurements, uh, his athleticism in person. Uh, he has released a top group. It did not include Penn State. That's not necessarily surprising. He had told me before an official visit was his plan for the spring, but I think this is a case of long-distance recruitment. Both tr- both sides maybe tried. Official visit could have really maybe taken things forward and uh, on both ends, but it couldn't happen because of the situation. So you kind of go your separate ways and go with what you know. Yeah, I, you have Landon Watson moved on uh, in these notes here. I think it's kind of uh, mutual to the opposite of that. You know, Penn State couldn't rely. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot. He's listed at 6'3". You've heard a lot closer to 6'1", 6'2". Not the length that you're looking for. Good player. Uh, do you go to Texas to get that player? I, you know, if he's coming from Texas, um, going out of reason or excuse me, going out of region like that, there's probably a reason for that. And you see his top six, he's kind of all over the board. So, um, you know, and Penn State's had to have a, some tough conversations like that. We mentioned Corey Kiner a couple weeks ago, Lana Watts and guys that, you know, aren't, uh, you know, sort of on the earth are sort of on that line. Uh, physically, you're not sure what you got. You, you've got the incomplete evaluation. You've got other guys on the board and, and you go from there. You mentioned Trevally Price, um, at defensive end, a couple other guys that are still out on the board. George Wilson's a huge target for them in Virginia now, uh, right now. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see what direction that position goes, but it's not going to go to Texas to get Landon Watson. Sean put his big board up on the top defensive targets for Penn State remaining in the 2021 cycle. That was up earlier this week. Uh, check it out at lines247.com for VIP subscribers. A 2022 offer that caught my attention this week, Sean, going out to Marvin Jones Jr. of American Heritage High School in Fort Lauderdale. Surprise, surprise, South Florida. This is a J1 Sider uh, recruitment early on. He is the son of a two-time All-American at Florida State. Uh, Buckus Award winner in 1992 was Marvin Jones, then went on to be the number four pick in the 93 NFL draft. Spent 11 years in the NFL, all with the New York Jets. And I say all this, and you're like, okay, the kid's going to Florida State. He does have a Florida State offer that came in February. But I'll tell you what, he was happy to talk for a while with me this week. I didn't get the sense that this was a kid who was shut down to possibilities. And he has been to Penn State. He got to camp last July. Um, And by the way, this, you know, 
take it for what it's worth. Maybe not much, but a little bit perhaps. His Huddle profile photo is him in a Penn State uniform. And right now, Huddle is a very, very active place for college coaches. So any college coach going to check out uh, this top 10 linebacker prospect when you look at 24-7 sports evaluations, if they're going to his Huddle page, they're going to see him wearing a Nittany Lions uniform. So whatever that means, it's something to say. That helps. Uh, his dad was phenomenal. I mean, just in college, one of the best college linebackers of all time. You mentioned he won the Butkus, uh, was an All-American. He was a freshman on that Florida State team that beat Penn State in the Blockbuster Bowl. Terry Smith, I believe, caught a touchdown pass in that game. Uh, you know, it's uh, he's those are bloodlines right there. I mean, he is he is one of the top uh, Florida State players from that era when it means you know when it meant something to be one of the top Florida State players in, you know in that era. I mean, he's, he's a good player. So if his son's anything close to that, uh, you certainly want him on campus. Yeah, obviously those bloodlines are going to be tough to ignore. Uh, Florida State's got the new coach too, so you've got some some energy into that program after the the Willie Taggart disaster that went through there. So, um, you know, not certainly holding out hope, but he's been on campus. And that's one of those things when we go back to talking about what we talked about earlier, not having the summer camps, not having the summer visits, not having the opportunity to get these kids um, from a long way away onto campus to do what they, they need to do to, to, to get a first impression of this place. That I think that's where it's going to come back to hurt with guys uh, like this. Six foot five, 225 pounds. He is listed as a sophomore. Uh, so a lot to like there. He says the Nittany Lions talking to him about possibly defensive end, possibly outside linebacker. Those measurements to me remind me a bit of Brandon Smith uh, midway through his high school career. If that 6'5 is legit, then he's a little bit taller than Brandon Smith. Um, but but Smith was a guy who very much was considered uh, maybe a defensive end at that stage. And his high school staff nearly made that transition for him along the way. And his, uh, we'll da- and his dad's uh, highlights are up on YouTube. Uh, I watched him last night. I was like, man, this guy, I forgot how good he he was uh, just, uh, you know, he's, he, everybody likes to on this podcast will cling to LeVar like people at Florida State would cling to Marvin Jones. He was, he was that good. And then they've had some good ones. I mean, Derek Brooks came through there. I mean, just great, great linebackers. And Marvin Jones may have been a, as good as any of them. One of many, many offers that Penn State put out this week. We're talking 2022-2023 classes, getting a lot of love right now uh, with new scholarship opportunities. And uh, go check out those stories up online, 247.com. We've caught up with a a bunch already. Uh, More to come as well. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to some offensive line talk. Got inside the heads of a couple senior members of that starting unit this week. Additionally, we got our five-star mailbag coming up. What did we get? What are we going to address? We'll answer that all in just a moment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game it's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com For the first time since we were at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, which feels like a whole nother reality ago, Sean, 
We got a chance to talk to some Penn State players in a structured media Q&A format. Came in the form of the big guys this week. Uh, got Michael Mennett, going to be a third-year starter at center for Penn State. And then Will Fries, who is also one of the more experienced members of this roster, returning at right tackle after starting last year. And he's played a lot during the past three seasons, a fifth-year senior. Uh, caught up on a lot of topics. Some of the questions didn't really help us dive into much on the roster, uh, but a lot of the questions did that were answered. And one was certainly, well, several were certainly focused in on the relationship with Phil Troutwine, how that is going on early one thing that stands out immediately is Phil Troutwine bringing in that experience as a two-time national champion with the Florida Gators, a team that everybody watched a lot growing up, I think, uh, you know, especially kids that, that are now 21, 22. They, they remember that Florida squad pretty well. His status with that team and then the years he spent in the NFL – immediate credibility walking into the to the building I think for Penn State and Mark Brennan uh, wrote a story up on this on the site that's helped go a long way Um, and and additionally I think it's just you don't question a guy who has that on his resume Uh, add in the coaching stuff he's done add in the fact that he's young enough to to really still identify with these kids in a pretty strong way I think he's 31 32 years old so not not a far far span removed from being in their shoes so a lot to like from what we heard from Mennett and Fries, and both of them understood that for them to buy in early was important for the entire room because they are kind of setting that tone uh, for the for the group at large. Well, especially Mennett. I mean, your center for your center to be on board with it, for your center to be the guy you know that's going to sort of pull the strings for all those guys on the field to have him connected with the guy that's going to do that off the field is, is huge. Troutwine is is far enough removed from his playing days to get the experience necessary to you know approach it from the teaching aspect of it, but also approach it from the um, experienced player aspect of it. And I think that's a good combination um, to 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 throw together for eighteen to twenty two year old kids. Get them to buy in and go with it. I mean, you've you've got the um, the results that speak for themselves at Penn State, where you bring in a guy like Stefan Wisniewski to talk to uh, to talk to the room, or you bring in um, some of his guys from Boston College that have been first round picks. So um, you've got a, just a wide array of experience and connections and things like that that can really help you out um, when you're trying to sell yourself essentially in a short period of time, especially without spring practice, trying to sell yourself in a short period of time to one of your most important units on the field. Another thing that we heard that, that really stood out, and it was a topic that we discussed last month after speaking with Phil Troutwine, and that is Juice Scruggs being back. Yeah, obviously, all the way back, we'll, we'll see on the football field this fall. Um, not getting a chance to see that in the spring, but you know, we heard from Troutwine that he sees uh, Drew Scruggs as a player who is you know putting in that work, can make an impact at any position they need him at. The versatility is key with Drew Scruggs, who was the top-ranked lineman on either side of the football in Pennsylvania in the 2018 recruiting class. He was a four-time uh, selection as the scout offensive player of the week as a freshman. So he only has one game appearance in his career. It was the regular season finale in 18 against Maryland. It deals with, with a major setback in a car accident in March of 2019. But Mennett, and, and he may be the heir apparent to Mennett at center and, and ultimately fill that role down the road. Uh, Mennett says that since the day he got to campus, it's been evident that, that Juice Scruggs is a special talent. But he says since he's been struck by this you know major uh, adversity, he just says he has come back into that building and just kicked it up in terms of his willingness to work and work and work. And they see how clearly he wants to play football. It's a kid who is putting a lot of effort in uh, just to get back to, to, to getting on the field, getting into a position where he's healthy enough to take on what you you need to be able to do to play Big Ten football in the trenches. I love hearing this. Um, you know, you know as well as I do with with back or spine or neck injuries. It, you know, all the. The, the smallest difference could make the biggest difference. And, you know, he's, he's, yeah, I'm sure it's great that he's walking. It's great that he's running and back to it. Just having him back on the football field is, is an amazing story, a great story. So, um, you really, uh, you know, you wish all the best for Juice Scruggs. Like I said, they, they wanted to play him last year and, um, you know, it just didn't work out, obviously, with the circumstances. Struck an interesting word there that you used. I'm not sure that you tried to do that, but, uh, considering the circumstances of the injury struck, I'm not sure, not sure that's the way to go. But, 
but thanks for uh, pointing it out and saying it again twice, Sean. Well, I, I had to, I had to just bring it back around. It's just been stuck in my head. I'm sure that we've got listeners that would have, uh, you know, left a, a five star review and noted that as well. Um, but no, it's uh, it's 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 a great story. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm kind of torn on what the spring would have done for him. You know, do you rush? Did he rush back into it? We don't know. We're not in the medical room. Would he have rushed back into it because something gone wrong? So does this does this extra time that's sort of built in really help him? Uh, it's hard to say without knowing the the medical details. But any time that you can give him to not only heal but also get back and get stronger and you know get uh, get the supportive muscles around where he needs to get uh, you know sort of closer to football shape is a good thing. So I'm looking forward to seeing him back on the uh, on campus. I do think he's the heir apparent if he's healthy and ready to go i do think he's the heir apparent to uh to michael mennett and center and and if he can do that he can be a a real player here and a a multi-year starter still potential heir apparent at right tackle caden wallace uh you know gonna be as will fry said keeping him on his toes um going into the 2020 season we saw wallace on the practice field as a guard as a tackle during his first year on campus he was initially given the green light by the staff and then you know, going into the season, they they reassess by the end of September if he's just primarily going to get special team snaps or snaps when when the team is up by six touchdowns. Does it make sense to burn that year of eligibility? It did not for them. He was held within that threshold. He so he goes into 2020 as a redshirt freshman. But this is a young man who, over the past 18 months or so. What a transformation physically for him. And he was already considered a top-tier offensive line prospect. Again, I think the future looks very bright for Caden Wallace and, and Mennett and Fries both both agree. And, and, and as Fries said, it's good to have that competition. It has always felt like every year, year in, year out, that Fries has always faced that competition. And he's needed it. And and, and he also, you know, he, he I think he's a guy who understands he needs to make a leap forward as a senior because they, they, they have done a nice job of, of, of stockpiling and developing some talent on the perimeter. And I think that starts, to me anyways, outside of Rasheed Walker with Caden Wallace. First, I, I do think Will Fries is the starter whenever they start back up again. Um, you know, I, I feel yes. pretty confident about that. But at the same time, you're right. He's going to have to watch because they've played multiple tackles before. They feel that Des Holmes, uh, you know, can be one of those guys. And do you see a scenario where Des Holmes, who's better on the left side, ends up, uh, you know, at left tackle and they move Rashid over to the right? Or does Caden Wallace come up and, you know, does he make that? It's a, it's a good good problem to have. You would have liked to develop some of that tackle depth and, you uh, you know, de- develop some of that depth, you know, in the spring, maybe a guy like Bryce Effner gets in there and gets some reps or things like that, but you didn't have that, that opportunity to do so, but slowly, but surely, you know, working around and making it a two deep Caden Wallace, I'm still not convinced the interior is not where his future is, but you know, you, you've got a uh, chance to sort of cross train a guy like that, that can be a starter at several positions. And I think tackle is again, as I took some, some heat forward on the board earlier this week, tackle is a, a very important position for them. And that's where they want to get his reps. From a couple of young, potentially emerging talents and Scruggs and Wallace to the, to the leaders of this group with Mennett and Fries. And, and you've got a lot of returning players here that you have five with with starting experience uh you throw in the fact that Miranda uh, did get those starts last year at right guard sharing the load with CJ Thorpe um you've got Des Holmes who who last year saw a lot of action himself as as the next man in essentially at tackle and Sean when you look at it if it, with a new with the new coach with the situation we're in with no spring practice great year for Penn State that bring back that kind of experience on the offensive line I mean, it's any year's a great year for it, but yeah, to bring back um, several guys that have experience, you're talking beyond um, what you've got on the front five. You got Des Holmes, you've got Mike Miranda, who's obviously slid in there. You know, you'd like to have a little bit more experience, uh, you know, at tackle with Caden Wallace, like we just talked about. But you know, those first five uh, have played a lot of football, especially Bennett and Fries, and uh, Walker is on the cusp of being a really, really good football player. So, uh, you know, you, you got to like the, the transition that's happening now, um, you know, talk about Matt Limegrover and how you think he should have been fired three years ago or whatever, but the transition that's happening now puts both Phil Troutwine and this offensive line room into a pretty good spot. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's it, it, with the, the changes that they're making to the offense in terms of approach and run oriented and things like that. I mean, it's a good time for all that to be happening. Is it a perfect storm? Uh, it's too, still too soon to say that, but it's a good time for that to be sort of meshing all together at once. Aside from Fries and Mennett, 
explaining how their dads have rigged up these homemade devices for training and stuff like that, which was an interesting concept and, a, and, and exactly what we're hearing across college football right now as guys try to stay in state shape. The other big takeaway for me, and it was a little more subtle, was their love for the redshirt defensive lineman of last year. And this is something that stood out to us, I think, from the first practices of training camp in August. It looked different on that scout team defensive line because of that 2020 class or 2019 class that they brought in. The guys who weren't going to make an impact on the varsity squad in game days. They made an impact with that scout team, and and two that stood out, uh, Menet mentioned and and Fries pointed to, uh, Hakeem Beeman, who's been a, a certainly a name that you've heard a lot on the podcast as a rising figure in the interior, and then Smith Vilbert. I mean, they passed the eyeball test, and and uh, and according to to these guys, uh, they showed up and, and they brought it with that scout team week in week out. So I think that's they, you know, we talked about that sharpening the whole squad does a lot for your defensive line depth. It also does something for your offensive line unit that, that as they prepare for a Saturday against, you know, the big boys. Excited to see those guys. I don't know how much more we can talk about Hakeem Beeman <laughs> and, and Smith Vilbert because those, those seem to be linked at the hip there. And of course, sort of like uh, Adisa Isaac and Jason Owey, you know, it's just kind of these, these combinations that we have all over the roster. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see him. I think Beeman can, can make a run at that 2D this year and have, uh, have an effect on the game. And Smith Vilbert uh, can certainly be on pace to do so as well. So excited to see those guys, um, you know, long-term Vilbert, there, there, there's so much to like there. You just got to hope it it all clicks and comes together and you know Penn State might have a, a heck of a, of a steal there yeah, and a bit further behind on that depth chart among that class of redshirt freshmen Devon Ellis Joseph Darqua uh, also trying to, to work behind the scenes as well one thing I wanted to get to Sean and we can go through this quickly but Penn uh, 24-7 sports released their transfer portal ratings a lot of work went into this I know Bud Elliott reached out to you and I I'm, that means he reached out to just about everybody within the network to get feedback on some of these players who were leaving campuses um, and, and talking to coaches across the country as you reassess guys who are, you know, now years removed from their high school recruitments when they were initially assessed by 24-7 Sports. And as Bud mentioned in the preface to his ratings piece that came out earlier this week, these are going to skew in a negative direction because let's face it, uh, that's what happens often. There's a, a reason why a guy is leaving one campus going to another. Um, and there's a reason why he may not have been playing as much as people anticipated at the campus he is leaving. And ultimately, there's just not a ton of true success stories, I think, outside of what we're seeing at quarterback lately, where a guy makes that transition to a new team and, and really revitalizes an offensive or defensive unit and proves to be uh, you know, the late bloomer uh, and, and validating the early hype that he had coming out of high school. The two that stand out to everybody who listens here are former composite five stars, Ricky Slade and Justin Shorter. Shorter, of course, was a top 10 prospect. Uh, Ricky Slade was the number one all-purpose back in the 2018 class, and, and Shorter was the number one wide receiver. So a lot of excitement about them a couple years ago uh, for different reasons. It didn't happen on the football field. Shorter now at Florida. Ricky Slade is one of the more fascinating figures still in the transfer portal looking for a home. They both end up with a high three-star rating. Uh, Slade with an 88, Shorter at an 87 Again, quite a dip from the five-star status that they have, and, and both will have plenty to prove in their new landing spots. Slade taking two years of eligibility with him and Shorter three years of eligibility. It, it's really interesting, and I do recommend that you read Bud Elliott's sort of uh, promo for um, what they were trying to accomplish with these rankings because of the numbers and because of historical data and things like that. And I think there's probably this is probably a work in progress trying to figure out where these guys need to be rated. Uh, Slade in an 88, Shorter in an 87. Those are the two guys that everybody's going to look to. I mean, I personally have Shorter a little bit higher, but I think you're kind of splitting hairs when you're talking about that, um, you know, high three, low four type of impact. I think Shorter's got uh, tremendous talent that he needs to to unleash. Will it happen? It's, hard, it's really too hard to say. And Slade, I tell you what, it's a bad time to be looking for a school right now. I mean, you just, you feel bad for the kid because he, you know, he took the spring to explore his options and now he can't go anywhere and check things out. So does that uh, affect where he falls or where he lands? Probably a better word than falls, um, you know, for his next step. So it's, uh, it, it's not ideal out there to be a transfer. I mean, it's not, uh, you see some of the stuff that we wrote, Chris Hummer wrote a piece on it. Not all, you know, the grass is certainly not greener 
a lot of the times that these guys take the take the chance of transferring. So, well, you know, as the data continues to be available and continues to come out and and show whether this is a trend, whether this is an outlier, things like that, I think it's interesting. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a long way from from those guys being five stars. Ricky Slade, by the way, five star prospect on the composite, four star prospect on every site. The only person that I've ever known that beat the math and actually gained a star on the composite. So um, so he drops essentially a, a full star rating. Shorter, of course, was a top ten player in the class, and and that was a miss. Uh, you look at a couple other players a little further along in their college careers who have found uh, their second college home, Daniel Joseph at NC State. He comes in at an 84, which uh, I think that's still mid three-star, maybe high. I think that's mid to high three-star. Uh, and then Matt Hippenhammer, low three-star at an 82, going to Miami of Ohio. Uh, just really never worked out for him outside of a couple moments during his career at wide receiver for Penn State. And, and Joseph can help them out at NC State. I, I was talking to Bud about this. You know, I never, you know, got the sense that he'd be a dominant player, but he was a nice depth player. He made some plays when he was in there. And, you know, just considering what he was up against, just never really broke through. So I'm curious to see how that happens. I mean, NC State has a very good reputation for developing defensive linemen. Daniel Joseph, obviously, you know, still could use some seasoning, could use some some time out there. And if he gets some reps, maybe he gets some sacks, maybe he gets an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, you know, as as evidenced by his rating here, you know, it, it's it's an uphill battle. But at the same time, you know, he's, he's got some talent to work with. Joseph was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. When you look at the composite rankings uh, coming in from Canada, uh, one of the earlier players of, of what has really developed into a nice pipeline for Penn State out of Ontario. Uh, Sean, five-star mailbag time it's something now i think we're on episode three doing this just a reminder for those who may have missed uh the promotion for this earlier or just need a, a reminder in general uh you go to apple Podcasts, you give us the five star rating you drop a review uh that review can be a great thing about the podcast that review can be just your question that you want answered on the podcast it's up to you we really appreciate it the feedback has been coming in strong we've got time to answer uh one question today but it's it has some layers it's from becca and and also, Bala9999 had a similar question. So it's going to be fun reading these usernames. That's really been a perk of this process, Sean. Um, here's the question. Without camps, it looks like the 2022 class may be the most negatively impacted. Who are the names for Penn State fans to know in 2022 and specifically at quarterback? Great observation there on the 2022 class. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, it, it's setting up to be, and these guys are sort of known earlier and earlier. We talked earlier this week about the 2023 offers and things like that, but these guys are are on the radar earlier. They're picking up offers earlier. Whether or not those offers can be acted upon is is debatable, but you've got a bunch of guys that, that are already on the scene and maybe already household names in the 2022 class at quarterback, uh, you know, it might be the year that this is a two quarterback class based on the fact that two of these guys that I'm listing are potential, you know, athlete tight end type guys. Bo Perbula, who, who we've mentioned from, uh, from York and Preston Howard from McDonough down in Maryland, both guys that are, you know, pretty good quarterbacks. But at the same time, you look at their athletic stature, you look at what they can do. You know, maybe, uh, Preston Howard ends up as a tight end. Maybe Perbula ends up as a linebacker, a tight end, an H back, something like that. But uh, Braden Davis is probably the most pure quarterback name that that they're in on right now. Um, this is a situation. He's down in Delaware. He's playing at Middletown, where Chris Godwin's from. So there's a lot of um, you know connections there. They've got to get back into that area, get back to uh, to having those relationships. And this is a kid that's going to be recruited by pretty much everywhere. We saw him at camp last year. Uh, thought a lot of Braden Davis. Very polished at a young age. Uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. I think he's a pretty good player. Davis was really impressive last year at the camp. Uh, I would maybe put him up there with any quarterback we saw in person in front of Penn State staff um, among quarterbacks, regardless of class. And, and he, he has those physical attributes to match it. A couple guys I caught up with earlier in the process out of Georgia, MJ Morris, uh, Gunnar Stockton. Both guys can really fit into that dual threat mold. Uh, they were offered by Ricky Ronnie. Um, haven't really caught up with them of late, but uh, those were some early priorities for Penn State. One that did surface since uh, Kirk Sherrock arrived it was the first quarterback in any class that he sent an offer out to um, out in Moreno Valley California it's AJ Duffy um, Walker Howard I believe is the most recent offer in this class he's the son of a former LSU quarterback 
He lives in Louisiana, so do the math there. Um, but yeah, I think that Bo, Bo Perbula and that offer coming through last month, and we had a story up on that, and he was certainly excited and talking about you know going out in Halloween dressed in full Penn State uniform and how the family makes Saturdays a, a, a big deal and watching Penn State football. So to have James Franklin on FaceTime in their living room giving that offer, that made a big impact. And uh, as you said, though, this is a, an athletic kid who, who maybe uh, down the road, it takes him away from the quarterback position, but the offers keep coming for him, Sean. So this is not going to be one of those where Penn State can take anything for granted because uh, I believe he's already up to about a dozen uh, FBS offers and, and a few of them in the Big Ten at this point. Moving on in 2022, a good little base to work with uh, for running back. Of course, you got Nick Singleton in in state here, uh, Governor Mifflin, who's a pretty good athlete, all around athlete. Um, I think you're going to have to recruit him as a running back to to land him. That's where he wants to play. And Tevin White, who you know, he's been on the radar forever, and he's still you know just going into his junior season this year in Virginia, um, going out a little bit. You got Jabron Payne in in Ohio, George Petaway in Virginia, whom they just offered, and Arlen Harris, the nephew of Aaron. Harris. I'd be remiss if I did not mention Aaron Harris, and I'd probably be yelled at if I did not mention Aaron Harris when mentioning Arlen Harris. He's in St. Louis, so you know, tougher to get him to campus, tougher to get him out here, um, but the ties are certainly there. At receiver, uh, two guys in Pennsylvania, and I'm still not convinced that Makai Flowers at Steel High is a receiver. I think he's a like a top-level elite safety, but he wants to play receiver, so we'll list him at receiver for now. And Anthony Ivey, who I think is a, a tremendous, I think we have him in the top 100 at 24-7 Sports. He's a tremendous prospect at wide receiver as well. You and I saw him at camp last year, had a little bit of an injury going into the season. And once that thing, you know, got healed up, I think he had like four touchdowns in a game in his first uh, first outing. So really, really talented there. Penn State offered a kid last week, uh, Peter Kikwawa. Uh, still got to work on that pronunciation. Down in Maryland, he played at Watkins Mill, which is not a tremendously uh, exposed school, especially for a wide receiver to run the ball a lot. He's transferring to Northwest where Caden Prather is. Uh, 2021 target and all of a sudden Penn State you know becomes his first offer over the weekend and then you've got Maryland comes through Tennessee comes through a couple other schools come through but being that first offer and if Hurdy's a legit athlete um, he'll get a chance to catch the ball more this season uh, but Hurdy's a legit athlete division one guy and Penn State made the move first which you don't often see I mean you don't always see you know the the big school like Penn State being in there maybe you'd think a, a Maryland would come through or I think East Carolina offered a couple days later you think that would you know be the way that he started but really, uh, you know, stuck in his mind that Penn State was uh, was the first one on him because he's been following them for a while. And of course, pray they're a big Penn State target. And you want to talk about Penn State being in early on somebody? Uh, that's Caden Saunders. He got an offer as a freshman out of Westerville South High School in Ohio. He has actually mentioned at times that Penn State is his favorite. Um, now his his recruitment is evolving. He's he's been on the radar for. 16 months or so at this stage with Penn State. Um, he, he has said he sees himself as a, as a potential K.J. Hamler type of presence within this offense. Uh, the big caveat here is he does not yet have an offer from the Buckeyes, and Westerville South High School may as well be in the shadow of Ohio Stadium. So that's something that, that looms large still to me in that recruitment. And going back really quickly to Tevin White, the running back, out of North Stafford High School. Uh, I spoke with him last week, got a story up online 24-7 on, on Saturday, I think it was, and they're in a great spot here. You know, him and Jay Wan Sider are conversing to the point where, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is not about football and a lot of it is not necessarily about recruiting. It, it's it's always about recruiting, but it's more about personal, how you doing, how's the family, you know, conversations that don't necessarily need to shift back to Penn State and, and, and the 2022 class, but he's a kid we saw, we've seen at camp. I do wonder with his size, his length, and his receiving ability has really come a long way. I heard good things about that from the coaching staff down there. Now, is there some positional versatility with a kid like Tevin White? I think I think you know running back makes plenty of sense, but I do wonder if he does give you a little wiggle room to maybe consider him elsewhere on the field, maybe at receiver. It's going to be interesting to see his role in that North Stafford offense because they had two 1,000-yard receivers last year. Uh, the run game wasn't necessarily a vocal point, but I think Penn State's done themselves a lot of favors down there with the way they've handled Devin, Devin Ford. Ford seems very happy at Penn State, 100 yards rushing in his first game. Uh, he came a long way over the course of his year, says says Jay Wan Sider. Um, and he seems very content with not being the running back right now for them. And I think maybe more importantly was Nana Seydoux. 
learning what they learned about him with the heart condition, you know, weeks before he was set to enroll as a freshman, a top 10 tackle prospect in the class. And now they have handled him on campus and, and his experience and how it's still been a good experience for him on campus, despite the fact that he cannot suit up on the football field. Those things go a long way. So the personal ties are really in place at North Stafford. They've undergone a head coaching change um, down there, but the, things are still very much in place, I think, between Penn State and that program because of those uh, that history. One other school, of course, you mentioned there's a quarterback offer there. Maybe not a quarterback. We'll see with Preston Howard, but McDonough School, a couple defensive linemen to know down there as well, Sean. Yeah, at McDonough, Danny Dun- Dennis Sutton and Quan Williams, of course, they've been on the radar a little bit longer. Um, Preston Howard, a really, really good athlete. Like I mentioned, not sure he's a quarterback long term, but he's a good enough athlete to to earn that offer um, so early. But yeah, you've got those guys on the defensive line. Bryce Carter was up uh, the same weekend. Kelvin Gilliam was up uh, in January. You know, he reclassified from 2021 to 2022, going to be a defensive tackle. They offered Anthony Smith at Shippensburg. So that's prime Penn State territory. You would think that, uh, you know, Penn State would be in the mix there. He's just a big case defensive end now, probably a defensive tackle long term. And hey, you know, for all that need at defensive end this year. Uh, next year, there's it's it's pretty fruitful. We mentioned Danny Dennis Sutton, uh, but Anai White in Philly, Ken Talley in Philly, Wilfredo Ibar in Connecticut that's been there a couple of times. Um, certainly some talent out there that Penn State has gotten in with early relationships. Um, linebacker, I mean, you're looking, Sean Murphy's a five-star kid who's been on campus several times. Jay Sean Barham transferred from DeMatha to St. Francis. We'll see what that does for his uh, recruitment. St. Francis, by the way, absolutely loaded in 2022. If Penn State's going to make their first move there, you want it to be in that 2022 class. And they offered uh, Abdul Carter from Philly a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Penn State's, or excuse me, Pennsylvania's 2022 class back on the rise. And, and Carter's a pretty good athlete down there in Philly. Well, you asked for some names to know. There are a bunch to know there. Um, we did have a request uh, from another uh, person on, on the, in the mailbag to uh, ask us for a position-by-position position breakdown. We, we kind of got into that a little bit here for 2022, but I think that's something that Sean and I can probably dedicate a larger chunk of time to in the future, maybe take up a, a big portion of an episode down the line um, as we gather stuff on these kids. And unfortunately, well, something that we would have loved to have had would be Camp Intel on the 2022 class. And, and as we've spoken about earlier, that, that will not be the case. Sean, I think that's going to wrap it up. I think we're both anxious to get out and about today and, and enjoy some beautiful weather. Anything else to add? No, it's going to be warm. I want to, I'm want i tired of listening to, to you and I, no offense, <laughs> especially me. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to get outside and, and get some, I think I might go golfing today. That's uh it's an interesting proposition as I'm terrible at golf, but uh, it's outside and it's uh, be a nice, uh, nice little getaway. So looking forward to Friday. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Tyler's going to hit you with the pitch to, to leave us a, a feed, some feedback and some questions on Apple Podcasts. And we appreciate you listening. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Uh, you can listen to us not just on Apple Podcasts, but Spotify and Stitcher as well. Make sure you're staying informed on lines247.com, including Sean's new daily updates Monday through Friday. The first one again dropped this morning on the, some shifts on the target board for 2021. Uh, 30% off annual subscription, $1 for one month. There you go. That's our spiel. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk next week. Drop your five-star rating, and we'll do our best to get to you on the next five-star mailbag. Have a great weekend, folks. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.